Support for Yale Cancer Answers is provided by AstraZeneca, proud partner in personalized medicine, developing tailored treatments for cancer patients. Learn more at AstraZeneca-US.com. Welcome to Yale Cancer Answers with Drs. Howard Hoxter, Anise Chagpar, and Stephen Gore. I'm Bruce Barber. Yale Cancer Answers is our way of providing you with the most up-to-date information on cancer care by welcoming oncologists and specialists who are on the forefront of the battle to fight cancer. This week, in honor of Lung Cancer Awareness Month, it's a conversation about support for lung cancer patients and their families with Brian Jin. Brian is a clinical social worker, and Dr. Gore is a professor of internal medicine and hematology and director of hematologic malignancies at Smilo Cancer Hospital. Well, and I have to just get this off my chest. I've been thinking about this all day. I did a lot of musical theater as a kid, and uh, you're probably too young to know West Side Story. But when I think of social workers, I think of G. Officer Krupke, dear kindly social worker. They say, go earn some dough, like be a soda jerker, which means like be a schmo, <laughs> uh, because uh, juvenile delinquency was only a social disease. But that's not what you do. Yeah, I'm sorry, I just had to get that off my chest. <laughs> no, I appreciate that. I mean, it, it is. Social work is so open-ended and so fluid. And and for, for a role, you know, I'll say I'm a social worker, and then the follow-up question is uh, inevitably, what do you do? Right. And so for, for, for my role within a clinic, within an uh, oncology clinic, a, a surgery clinic, it's really uh, – to meet the patient's need, to join them, to be with them, uh, to help explore their concerns in whatever their capacity it can be. It can be concrete. It can be questions about disability. It can be questions about transportation, what community resources are available, financial questions. Um, but it also is the emotional side. How are you doing? How are you coping? How is your family uh, processing this information? How are you processing this information? So it's, I, I tell people my basic job is to listen, to hear the questions, and try to find support and help. So what percentage of the patients who are being seen in the thoracic oncology program at Yale get seen by you at least once? That's a tough question. Uh, we, we, we're trying to improve that. We have a tool, a distress screening tool, which uh-huh. uh, patients are given in the beginning, and it really takes down some common, whether people are feeling anxiety, worry, uh, difficulty sleeping, if they are having financial concerns. And so it's a way of screening patients to really identify those who are, who are struggling in that beginning initial visit. Um, and so that's one way I'm able to reach patients. Um, but we have a large volume, so I don't get to see everybody. Right, I, would, I can't imagine. I would say low teens in terms of percentage percentage wise because there's a lot of people coming in for surgery we, thoracic unit is a, a pulmonary surgery oncology uh so and and lung cancer screening so uh but the ones that need to be seen my team really makes sure I, I get to see them and they let me know so who sees this distress screen and who pays attention to it enough to flag it for you so it's the uh, either the um patient uh, nurse coordinators or it's the practice nurses they'll give the screen they'll identify the concerns and then they'll they'll reach out to me to either if i miss them in that clinic call them and reach out and ex- uh, explore those concerns or i'll see them that day if there's really a lot of concern I'll, they'll page me and i'll i'll come and meet the patient and and so spend time that sounds like a kind of a haphazard day for you if it's things aren't booked into nice 30 minute units uh 
yeah, you got to be on your toes and you have to be willing to go where you're needed most. It really is. Mm-hmm. And and some of the people we really, I suppose, really have, uh, as you said, concrete concerns about transportation or housing or or finances, right? I mean, and that that's a whole different set of analyses, right? Yeah, it, it is. And, and, and oftentimes, you know, our social work cluster, we look at that as a segue to a deeper relationship. Um, you know, a lot of times people will come with financial concerns and then later on they'll share how difficult it is to talk to their children. So it's, it's, it's a door opening to, to meet those concrete needs. Uh, it allows me to develop a relationship and, and really let them know all the ways we can help, in both as a, a hospital and a team and in the community as well. I know that some uh, social workers uh, do variations of psychotherapy. Is that part of your job? So uh, I, I often describe this as a, a brief intervention. Sometimes it's crisis intervention. Uh, we have had the benefit of bringing over a new intervention for cancer patients, uh, meaning-centered psychotherapy, which we offer in a group format and individual. And it was developed to really address the loss of identity that comes with cancer and that cancer is a limitation and it brings a lot of emotional distress. And so it's, it's a way to get people re-engaged with what is meaningful. It's, it's kind of the ways people go through their treatment and the reasons why. It's, it's, it's that for family. It's the fact that their dad told them to stand up and those traditions and values that are passed on, those reasons that they connected on family dinners, it's, it's a very heartwarming and an enriching intervention. And is that a one-time thing, or is it a? It's a, it's a, it's a, it is uh, eight-week sessions for, uh, for group and seven for individual. Uh huh. And uh, is it open to patients with all kinds of cancer? Or this is just for thoracic cancers. Uh, we've opened it to initially. It was designed for late-stage cancers, uh, stage three or four, uh, solid tumor. But it's uh, the 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 individuals who created this, um, Dr. William Breitbart out of Sloan Kettering, um, have branched out to bereavement, to early stage uh, breast cancer. Um, there's a lot of different applications for it. So, you know, we, we interweave it. Uh, we've had a few social workers go through the training and, and have brought it here. And um, uh, we interweave it in our assessment because it's just a, a strengthening and supportive tool that we can use at any time as yeah, well. Very interesting. So, um, so it sounds like you've got to have your hands juggling a lot, a lot of things for a lot of patients. you got to be pretty organized in that way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, our, our, our team really keeps us on track, too. I mean, um, you know, assessment is ongoing. You know, we're working with people that have brought also a lot of their own issues with a cancer diagnosis. So we pay special attentions to assess those who are most vulnerable and need extra support as well. So um, the team is invaluable for identifying, and we work together very well to support people in a variety of different ways. When you say the team, are you talking about the social services team, or are you talking about the oncology team? Both. Um, for the oncology team, you know, I get referrals from the intake coordinator um, before the person is even set in a foot into Smilo. Huh. I've, I get I get Dr. Gettinger knocking on the door and say, come and meet this person. I, I get uh, the practice nurses reaching out to me continually and say, you know, I really th- I'm worried about this person. I want you to go in and, and speak with them. Or, you know, this person's lovely. I really think you'll have a great time talking to them. So You probably like those. <laughs> those are nice. Those are nice. Right. Just kind of a, fa- a, a friendly schmooze. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and then there's other, uh, you know, I, I imagine um, other 
branches of service, like the people who coordinate home care and stuff, which isn't exactly you, right? I mean, no, I mean, but I, I, I tell patients and family to bring any question. Uh, and if I don't know the answer, I'll find out. And we're very lucky because we have a lot of departments and a lot of different ways we can help uh, patients. We have drug assistance, drug replacement, uh, the 340B. We have case uh, managers that will go out and get a VNA or they'll help people with equipment at home. Um, so we all communicate and coordinate to, to meet the needs. What is a 340B? 340B is the Yale program. It's the negotiated rate for medication for uh, Yale. And we pass it on with certain pharmacies to uh, patients and families. So if there's a, a family that has an extremely high copay for a particular medication, uh, Lovenox drops jumps to my mind. That's quite a, a bit. blood thinner, right? Yes. Uh, and that's a it's a high copay for some insurances. We're able to get it reduced. It's not completely free, but it, it it's a, a lot less. And I've seen it, you know, be thousands of dollars less than hmm. than what people are paying. And that's a federal program, right? It's, it's, it's a Yale, a Yale program, uh, the Yale New huh. Haven. Yeah. It's, uh, uh, we're very lucky. We have a lot of good, uh, diverse programs that support patients. And, yeah. and, and then it's why it's so important just to ask any question when you're, if you don't know and you don't know what to ask, just sit down and talk about what you're worried about and, and we'll try to help. Gotcha. Um, how many social workers are serving the oncology uh, program, if you will? I know it's over you know? 20. We, we've just added two new members. Uh, it's, we're a big cluster. Um, Smilo has been great in supporting the social work cluster and, and, and really um, you know, meeting the needs of the patient. Um, um, but I, I would say 25, but Bonnie would know better. <laughs> That's your boss. My boss. Yeah. Yes. And uh, and how often and in what ways do you guys, if you do, get together and share best practices, share stresses and anxieties and problems? I mean, is it is the twenty five kind of a big team club or is it kind of all disseminated? Well, uh, we, we all are a big unit. We we actually also meet in the. In, um, once a month with the entire social work department, which is over 150. So, wow. So uh, clusters meet uh, once a week. Uh, we go over recent news. People share stories about uh, good uh, safety catches. They share uh, information on resources. Um, we also have mini clusters. So likewise, uh, team uh, clusters meet together, and we support each other in that role. But really, um, I'm, I'm new to... Yale New Haven Hospital, and um, I, I'm so grateful for the social workers that are here that have supported me, that have given me the resources, that have taught me, and it's it's a great and supportive environment. Huh. Where did you come from? I, I came from hospice, um, a previous to um, a, a home health hospice, um, and a lot of times you're the only social worker uh, <laughs> on that team, um, and it's, so it's pretty unusual to have so many uh, good social workers together working uh, in one uh, one location. Did you find working in hospice particularly difficult? I, I find that hospice workers, many of them seem to have a calling and find it spiritually enriching, but I, I know that the, the lay conception would be that it would be kind of a depressing job. That is, that, that, that yes, uh, every time, you know, how could you do that? You know, thank you for doing that, but how, I don't know how you do that. And, and my answer has always been, it's a, it's a real blessing to be a part of that process and you really get to see how families love each other and how they support each other and how they come together and 
I've been honored and I've been taught more from my the people I've worked with and the families that I've seen than you know I feel like I've given them. So um, I, I, it is an honor to do that. How long did you do that for? About three and a half years. Oh, wow. Did you always know that you wanted to head towards a sort of cancer-focused practice? Yeah, it, it's funny. For, for my social work career, you've kind of, you kind of, I've, I found myself choosing where I felt like I do the most good and where I could help out. And, you know, I started off with, um, 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 substance abuse and alcohol. And then I heard a lot of times, you know, the stories of origin use that it was a loss of a family member. And then I went to a hospice and I, you know, I worked with families and with a variety of conditions. And then I felt, and also my my own life has been impacted by cancer and i think a lot of people have sure that you really this was this was something i wanted to do this is where i wanted to be this is where i wanted to help uh, um um people and it's 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 kind of branching out to where you feel like you can make the most impact hmm what is the uh transition from end of life care exclusively in dealing with grieving and and loss to uh, you said even cancer screening uh, what is is it did require different skill sets how's it impacted you what's that been like and why did you yeah. choose to to change um well primarily um my sister was diagnosed with a stage 4 cancer and uh and I saw how it impacted myself, my sister's kids, mm. and 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 it. I saw how much work could be done there. I think it's one of the hardest things when a parent needs to talk to a child, and that's something that we 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 help with. We have a intervention pact, uh, which is parenting at a challenging time, mm-hmm. and and this is something that you know parents want to ask. They, it's scary. It's overwhelming, and so that's one of the reasons I went into. Oncology. Well, that, thank you for sharing that. Um, right now, we're going to have to take a short break for a medical minute, and we'll, we'll pick up on this after the break. Support for Yale Cancer Answers is provided by AstraZeneca, proud partner in personalized medicine, developing tailored treatments for cancer patients. Learn more at AstraZeneca-US.com. There are over 13 million cancer survivors in the U.S. and over 100,000 here in Connecticut. Completing treatment for cancer is a very exciting milestone, but cancer and its treatment can be a life-changing experience. Following treatment, the return to normal activities and relationships may be difficult, and cancer survivors may face other long-term side effects of cancer, including heart problems, osteoporosis, fertility issues, and an increased risk of second cancers. Resources for cancer survivors are available at federally designated comprehensive cancer centers, such as Yale Cancer Center and its Milo Cancer Hospital, to keep cancer survivors well and focused on healthy living. More information is available at YaleCancerCenter.org. You're listening to WNPR, Connecticut's public media source for news and ideas. Welcome back to Yale Cancer Answers. This is Dr. Stephen Gore. I'm joined tonight by my guest, Brian Jin, who is a social worker for the Thoracic Oncology Program at Yale, and we're discussing support for patients with lung cancer and their families. Brian, uh, before the break, we were talking about sort of why you moved from a 
a sort of a hospice-oriented, end-of-life-oriented practice to a more general oncology practice, and, and you shared uh, with us uh, that part of this was a family experience with it. Your sister had an advanced cancer. Uh, how's she doing? She's doing well. She's in good hands, and, and, and she's well-supported. Oh, I'm, I'm so glad to hear that, and uh, of course, our, our prayers and thoughts are, are with her and your family uh, for the best outcome possible. I, I, I definitely know many people in oncology who, um, you know, who go into it in, in all areas, uh, either because of, uh, because of a family experience, um, um, or, and sometimes not, but I, I also really relate to what you said about learning from our patients, because I also feel that when I've been involved with, uh, end of life care, uh, it's a sacred, holy, um, privileged position to be in uh, where I'm learning mostly if I can allow myself to be present. And, and not everybody, I think, I think it's a challenge for some people to be present there. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you. I, I think for all of us, it's something we we don't normally talk about or discuss, yet it's a part of life. And and. And, and the wisdom that we get from our patients, it's, uh, you made me think as you were talking about the support group, and, and I keep telling them, if I could bottle them and give them to everyone, I would, um, because uh, there's so many comments and statements and, and ways that they have tackled adversity that, that I wish I could just give to other people. Mm. It's, it's inspiring. I mean, it I is. can tell you a personal anecdote. Uh, my mother, uh, at the age of 76, uh, passed away from uh, advanced pancreas cancer, and she lived in Chicago. And... Um, you know, I, I kind of knew what the score was going to be from from the get go. Uh, she had presented with an advanced cancer, and unfortunately, that's a that's a bad cancer to have. We hooked her up with a with a very good academic oncologist specialist in her area, one of the leading Chicago academic centers, who have unfortunately turned out to be kind of a jerk at the end of the day, like some doctors do. Um, and uh, and uh, I sort of shopped around uh, for sort of what was the hottest clinical trial since she wanted to be treated more. And turned out that uh, what was probably the most promising drug was being offered by uh, a community oncologist uh, out uh, in one of the suburbs. She lived downtown, so she'd go out from the John Hancock Center downtown to kind of a, you know, kind of a blue-collar uh, a neighborhood, honestly, to, to meet the sky and, and be treated there, which unfortunately didn't work out well. But my mom was a was a person who would never like you couldn't discuss death with her. That just wasn't somewhere she was going to go. And and when her cancer was progressing, um, and obviously hospice would have been the appropriate uh, decision. Her oncologist was so generous in understanding her uh, that he hooked her up with a kind of a bridge to hospice thing where they were theoretically going to be giving her some home chemotherapy. Wow. But by the time, which she was very happy about, but by the time they came out to do so, she was already fading away. And so she could be let go without having to make that decision, which for her was not possible. Yeah. And I have to say that I, you know, I was already a pretty experienced oncologist, and, and I learned so much from that. So people who have that, I don't know what that certain thing is. Uh, some people have it, and and I guess more of us can learn it, but it, it's something special, I yeah. think. Yeah, I, I think um, from interacting from in the Meaning Center group, there is a, a segment where you talk about that. You know, what legacy are you leaving, and, and how do you want to be remembered? And... Um, the people that go there, they make such a, 
an impact on the other group members because there's a real courageousness and there's a real ownership and there's a real compassion for those around them. I can tell you that one of the things that comes up in groups sometimes and in the meeting centered in with individuals is is that worry for the family around them. How are they going to cope? How are they going to do it? And and not everybody gets there. Not everybody does. Um, it's amazing to see when 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 uh, an individual looks at their life and examines it and they make their family the priority and they know what's important. And I think that comes out with cancer. It's sort of a catalyst for examining your life and looking at the priorities and, and really understanding what is truly important. Yeah. Um, I've kind of rambled on. But <laughs> no, no, I, I get it. My uh, When my mother-in-law passed away last year, you know, she was said, heard to say that her regret was not knowing what was going to, how her grandchildren were going to, you know, what was going to happen to them. She just kind mm-hmm. of regretted not being able to see sort of the end of the story for everybody that she cared about. Uh, she died with a lot of grace, I have to say. I, I learned a lot from her as well. I think that that's an amazing um, attribute for somebody to have. I mean, to, to I, yeah, I, there's not, I mean, it's weird. It's, it's weird, but like you, there you start to develop a concept of what a good death is. And, and, and that seems odd to talk about, but you know, when when you have people around you loving you and telling you the stories and sharing all the memories, and um, I don't know how to, I, it's it's you just have to. It's moving, it. yeah. yeah. It's moving, yeah. yeah. Um, What's special about thoracic oncology from a social worker's point of view? Do you have any particular challenges? Yeah, there there are. I mean, first and foremost, and it's been documented well, is the stigma that is attached to lung cancer. Because of smoking? Because of smoking, yeah. It, it comes up in group. It's like, you know, people will share that they have lung cancer. It's your fault. Yeah. You brought this on. Yeah, that it makes it safe. It's not going to happen to me. You know, it's because you smoked. And uh, that's totally wrong. Well, first you know? of all, there's a lot of lung cancers nowadays that are not smokers. It's a huge number, right? Yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a huge number. You know, we encounter that quite a bit. And, and you know, you can do everything. I tell patients you can do everything right and still get cancer and do everything wrong and never get it, you know. And, and even if you do, even if it's because you're smoking, that doesn't mean that it's a good thing or that you deserve it. No, Nobody deserves nobody it, deserves, right? Absolutely. Nobody deserves it. Yeah, so some of the work is addressing the feelings of guilt um, that is associated with with smoking. Uh, but, you know, we, we do address it and we do try to support people and, and focus on the present moment. And, and it's not fair. It's not just and it's not right. And, and do you have patients, I guess it's more head and neck cancer, where they would tend to have problems with laryngectomies and things like that? I mean, not so much in lung not cancer? So much. Not so much. Uh-huh. No. Are there other disfiguring elements? That's not really so much in your belly. No, I, I think the the, the, the symptoms, uh, <laughs> maybe beyond my scope, but the symptoms that patients really worry about are um, like uh, clots and also metastases to the brain. That's mm. the ones that a lot of times that, that have a huge impact. Mm. And and what is that? How do you deal with that? I mean, well, of course, the, the doctors handle the treatment and they give the options and and um, and everybody's experience is different. Um, you know, I, I, I have really courageous people in the support group that, that talk about their experience and 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 some of their fears and 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 what they've regained um, um, having gone through some of the treatments. Um I hesitate to share just because it's not my story, but sure. but um, um, I think what I've learned from patients is just having that goal, having that motivation, having the reasons to fight really take you through all these. Even, even if you lose a little bit of what you like to do, there's always a way around and a way to transcend and, and get back to the things that are most important. Hmm. 
how much of your work interfaces with physicians, psychiatrists, um, and the rest of the staff? Well, um, well, I go, I go where I'm needed. So if the doctor <laughs> tells me that. to come, <laughs> uh, um, Brian's on his way. <laughs> um, tell, uh, uh, it, the interface. We, we don't have psychiatry just yet. Uh, okay. I know we have a clinical psychologist, Dr. Fayon, who we do refer to because he gives that, and he has fellows. He He's get, been on the show. <laughs> I saw that. Yeah, he, saw he did. A, we had a great show last year with him. Yeah, he's a wonderful individual, very compassionate, and he uh, he'll sit down and give that one-on-one session um, and that continued care uh, to to help people through their cancer treatment and and anything they're also bringing to the table from their past as well. What about when it's time for patients to um, consider changing the goals of care from? curative or aggressive palliative approaches to maybe strictly palliative, pre-end-of-life, end-of-life mm-hmm. care. Are you involved with that now? Yes, we are. Um, a lot of times, you know, I, I phrase it, you know, after they've had their doctor's input and, you know, and they're weighing out their options, you know, it, it is a question of quality of life versus, um, you know, longevity. And that means different things to a lot of people. Um, for some people, it's a, I have to be able to ride my bike and go on walks on the beach. And that's very important. I'm not going to sacrifice that. Um, for other people, it's fighting it no matter what. And that's right. their journey. And, and my job is just to listen and to to understand and advocate in that way. So, you know, social workers are very involved with that transition and goals of care discussion. Uh, You know, it's part of our our joining with the family and patients. And not everybody in the family system is on the same page, and sometimes that requires time to explore and mediate and bring balance and um, a chance for everyone to be heard. Are you sometimes involved with families after a patient passes on? Or is that not really in your ballywick? I, I will have exchanges uh, one-on-one by phone, but it, it's it, we have a bereavement uh, service, uh, uh, Andrea Lucibello. Yeah, and, she's been on the show too, yeah. <laughs> Kelly Ford, and they're wonderful, and they, 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 are, they, yeah. they, they, they offer groups and individual counseling. Um, and so, you know, I, I will guide people to them. Got it. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you really like your job. I do. It's very interesting. It's, it's, it's rewarding, and... Um, uh, I'm never bored. So since it's Lung Cancer Awareness Week, what message would you like to put out there for the audience? Um, should people be, was it a screening message? Is it a support your loved one message? Is it like a turn to vaping instead of smoking <laughs> message? I get those questions too about medicinal marijuana and everything. Um, I, I would say just to ask questions, to, to, to advocate for yourself. Um, and, you know, there's tons of resources out there. There, there are wonderful local resources. There's Kids Hugs. There's um, Ann's Place in Danbury. There's uh, the Cancer Cares, which will offer online support and telephone support. There's the American um, Cancer Society, which will help with lodging and transportation and uh, uh, um, financial resources. Um, so just speak up. Share your concerns. We don't want anyone to go through this alone. We want to support. We don't want it to be hard on you. We want to help in any way we can, and we have a, a lot of wonderful resources to do that. You know, we have, 
integrated medicine, which will, you know, give you art therapy and Reiki and massage and talk to you about acupuncture. I want some of that. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that's a, always a good sell um, when people hear about that. So, um, you know, the whole thing is, is, is advocate for yourself, be kind to yourself and, and, and help us uh, help you. Yeah. And that's true. I suppose whether you're at a center like Yale or whether you're at any hospital, everybody should be entitled. Every cancer patient should be entitled to a multidisciplinary team, right? That includes social Absolutely. services. I Absolutely. Think. I think, I think a lot of cancer centers recognize the need for uh, social work interventions that, you know, we, we will help people navigate the concrete and the emotional side. And there's just sometimes questions we don't have the answers to. And, and we're used to that as social workers. We get sometimes odd requests and, and we'll, we'll, we'll research and we'll do our best to try to find those answers. And so sometimes it's just a matter of being okay with asking for help and, mm. and, and bringing up concern with anyone on the medical team because we're always going to be looking out to help. What is the hardest part of your job? Balancing, uh, balancing yeah, all the balancing, right? balancing, juggling, no juggling. Yeah. Uh, yeah, balancing the demands of, of you know all the the patients' needs and and triaging the most important needs. And um, I think that's the hardest one because you wanna you wanna help everybody and you wanna be available. And there's sometimes just not enough hours in the day. Mm. I thought you were going to say balancing work and life, but that's, work-life balance is not a hard thing for you. It's a, it's okay, but I, I got little ones and I love Legos, and I, I, those things um, really uh, rejuvenate me. So I make sure that the same things I tell patients in terms of you know you make it's a dual process of making a space for the difficult emotion and then excellent self-care. You know, doing the things you love, watching the TV show that makes you laugh, being kind to yourself. I, I try to practice that. And I try to. You know, make sure I spend time with the kids and, then, and watch funny shows and do the things that really heal me and rejuvenate me. Brian Jin is a clinical social worker at Smilo Cancer Hospital. If you have questions, the address is canceranswers at yale.edu, and past editions of the program are available in audio and written form at yalecancercenter.org. I'm Bruce Barber, reminding you to tune in each week to learn more about the fight against cancer here on WNPR, Connecticut's public media source for news and ideas.